You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. Welcome into just another sports podcast live here on the Sports Objective Network. I am joined just as I am each and every Wednesday night by my buddy, my partner in crime, my uh, my podcasting compadre on the uh, on the outskirts of Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the head coach of Northeast Academy, Mr. Stevie Fly. How you doing, Stevie? What's up, buddy? Oh, not too much, man. Just sitting here as we uh, sit here on uh, the eve. You know, week zero is week zero, and, and I love week zero. I enjoyed all the games Saturday night um, and Saturday afternoon from from Notre Dame to Hawaii, from 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 Louisiana Tech to Jacksonville State. I, I watched every single game for week zero Saturday. But the, the real start of the college football season, uh, week one, if you will, kicks off tomorrow night, Thursday. So we're sitting here on college football eve. So uh, I'm fired up and ready. Uh, I, um, I always – Really, and before week zero became a thing, the, the first Thursday night of the college football season was probably my favorite night of the year. Save your first reply to that. Yeah, uh, look, I'm I'm hearing double right now. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm hearing yeah. like. Okay. Yeah, we, I, Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching, we have some audio difficulties. TV's here in double. I, uh, Bubba, do you Steve, have trust, an idea of how, how yeah, you fix that? Steve, trust signing out and back in. All right, I'm going to sign up. Kyle and I will talk for a moment. Yeah, me and Bubba will uh, take it from here. But, uh, yeah, Bubba, we uh, we look at tomorrow night. Start of college football season. You got Florida and Utah, UConn, NC State. So, uh uh, you're gonna be on the road. Are you gonna miss all the games? I guess maybe you'll be able to yeah, listen to uh, them on your I, phone. Yeah, I'll either you know my my dad will be probably doing the driving at that point, so I'll be able to watch on my phone. Um, and then if I am driving, I'll be listening while he watches. But uh, re- really looking forward to uh, that Florida Utah game. Um, Cam Rising, the talented Utah quarterback. I knew the latest I had seen is that. And Matt was talking about that earlier, um, you know, with his his wife Chrissy being a Gator. Um, just he has interest there, and he was saying that Kim Rising may not play at all now. So uh, the I guys, they, the guys on um, New Housel and um, and uh, and uh, the show pony, I, I, Chris Chris Childers, was saying on their show yesterday that they really doubted he would play um, from what they're hearing. He may play, but if he plays, it's one of them deals where I, I guess, you know, he, he's really known for his mobility and using his legs, I guess. Right. So it may be one of them deals where he plays and just not able to run it as much or they may be better off. You know, if you take away a mobile quarterback, you know, one of their primary weapons, you may be better off just playing somebody else. Yeah, but if he doesn't play, then, um, you know, that changes, I think, things dramatically. I think Utah's defense is still good enough, particularly at being – in Salt Lake for them to win the game without him, but it certainly right. gives the Gators a much better chance. And Stevie's back with us now. Stevie, are you what? still hearing double? 
No, I'm good now. I'm good. Now. I don't know what happened, but I'm I'm good now. Yeah, I've heard of seeing you. double. I've never heard of hearing double. <laughs> well, every time you would say something, like about three seconds later, I would hear it all over again, and it was blinding. Oh, that's a nightmare. I, I like, couldn't imagine. That would drive me crazy having to hear it yeah, twice. I mean, so where, very where quickly are we before I let you guys carry on, uh, Stevie, we were talking about the Florida Utah game. What I'm interested in seeing um, last year, obviously Anthony Richardson the quarterback for the Gators, fourth overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts, Graham Mertz coming down from Wisconsin via the transfer portal, yep. highly touted coming out of high school. I mean, just for whatever reason, it did not work out at Wisconsin. But uh, I've heard good things about him, and I'm very intrigued to see how he performs. Yeah, no. it's it's amazing what a change of scenery might do for you. But, uh, yeah, that should be something – something to watch for in that Florida-Utah game. Yeah, no doubt. Like me and Steve, you or excuse me, me and Bubba were just discussing uh, Florida's – or Utah's highly touted quarterback. It looks like he may not play at all tomorrow night, which would uh, <laughs> affect them greatly. Uh, you know, you also got NC State-UConn tomorrow night, Stevie, which is uh, up at uh, – up in um, – At UConn. Yeah, East Hartford. So, uh, I um, – I don't, you know, U- UConn was a much improved football team last year. Um, okay, according to Matt, Cam Rising is out, just announced. So that is confirmed. Utah's quarterback will not wow. be playing. But, That's uh, a big play right there. No doubt. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people will be taking the Gators uh, in the next 24 hours before the line comes down too much. It was six. I believe the spread was six. Uh, it's probably already came down now if it hadn't. Uh, now would be a good time to get that bet in. Um, exactly. But I, uh, UConn, NC State, UConn was much pro football team last year, made it to a bowl game. I, If you go look at them statistically last year, it is amazing they went to a bowl. They had one of the worst offenses in FBS. Um, I do think, um, you know, NC State got a transfer quarterback, uh, new OC. Uh, UConn's defense is pretty good. I do think that UConn will probably make that a game for about three quarters, but NC State's going to, I would think, pull away late. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's going to be a blowout by any means. No, I don't think so either, just because the style of ball in UConn plays. They like right. to grind it out, play tough defense, um, play keep away, run the ball. Um, so, no, I think it'll be close for about three quarters. Uh, what Without Thursday night. I didn't realize how many Thursday night games there were. Well, let's go over them. Just, just, just go over them real fast. All right, hold on. Let me get it right back up here for a second because I clicked on Florida. I see uh, Thursday games. Yep. Good Lord. You sure you want to go out? Eastern Illinois and Indiana State? Well, let's skip the FCS. Let's <laughs> yeah, the FCS yeah. only. Okay, Elon, Elon, Elon at Wake Forest. Okay. That's uh, let's see. Kent State at UCF. Yeah, okay. Should be a blowout. Tennessee Tech at Furman. Uh, State okay. of UConn, like we talked about. Florida, Utah. Nebraska at Minnesota. That's uh, an interesting game. There's one That for should you. be an interesting game. Cause, and, and that's something you got to watch out, too. Nebraska uh, really needs to get back on track after struggling for a few years. And they, they will. They got the right guy coaching them now. I know yeah. he didn't do a good job with the Panthers, but he's a hell of a college coach. Did a great job at Temple. Did a great job at Texas A&M. He'll turn Should. Nebraska around. Yeah, and then you got uh, – let's see where we're at. South Dakota, U- Missouri. UAB uh, and UAB, NCAA. A- 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 
That's uh, going to be interesting. A and T, A and T, um, you know, they, they're good as we found out a few years ago. Uh, Trent Dilford's debut at UAB, yeah, so, uh, that that has some intrigue to it. Yeah, then you got uh, let's see, Southern Utah to Arizona State. And uh, that that's another intriguing one. Southern Utah. Yeah. I don't know anything about them, but I do know Arizona State uh, just announced that they are um, imposing a bowl ban uh, for violations from the previous staff. And they announced it Sunday night and they waited last minute. And I heard their players are very, very, very upset <laughs> and things were not going well in practice this week. So uh, if Southern Utah has a pulse, watch out. Yeah, and then – the the last uh, game, shorter at Samford. Have you ever heard of shorter? Uh, I've not heard of shorter nor taller. Shorter. But, um, I don't, shorter at Samford. All right. Well, have some. They've, they've got a big. You shorter said at Samford or Stanford? Samford. S A M. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bobby Bowden's alma mater, formerly yeah. formerly known as Howard, but uh, now known as Samford. Um, well, yeah, you're right. There's not a lot. of <laughs> It's about three good games tomorrow night, and then yeah, a couple, of, a couple of, a couple of intriguing games. Um, I, I'm sure. telling you right now, if Southern Utah has a pulse, and I know nothing about Southern Utah, so Shorter University is in Rome, Georgia. There wow, we go. That's home of Double A. Home of Homer and Anderson. That is correct. Yeah. I, uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, if Southern Utah has any kind of a pulse, I don't know what kind of FCS program they are. Um, right. I'm telling you, that could be a Arizona State. Not not happy right now. They're players with that right. bowl band last minute, so that that could be an interesting one. But anyway, move on from that. Um, we uh, we got we got East Carolina, Michigan this weekend, Stevie. Um, the the Pirates make the trip up down Arbor to the Big House. Um, we're going to talk NC. We're going to talk. Excuse me. We're going to talk North Carolina, South Carolina here uh, soon. Yeah. With Chris from the uh, Spurs Up podcast, but let's uh, let's touch on a little East Carolina, Michigan. Um, obviously, the Pirates are huge underdogs. I believe the spread is thirty six. Yeah. Um, do, do you do you think what do you think it would take? Put you on the spot. Ooh. What do you think it would take to pull off what would be the biggest upset in ECU history? And in terms of point spreads, it would probably be one of the biggest upsets in college football history. history. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, first thing you've got. There can be no errors. They can't make any mistakes, and uh, and it's got you've got to have that run defense for ECU that was pretty good last year. It's got to really step up because you know Michigan. Michigan will try to run it down your throat. Um, you know, on offense, I know they were talking about. I think it came out today. You could see three quarterbacks playing for ECU on Saturday. Who's the uh, third? Good question. I did not hear who the third one he said, but uh, I think it was Donnie. Donnie said, the opposite quarter said, you could see as many as three quarterbacks. There you go, Bubba. Playing, Bubba's going to chime in. Who's the third? Who's the third true quarterback? Freshman, true freshman Raheem Jeter. So are we really in a situation where, quarterback where, by committee? where Mason Garcia has not separated himself enough or Alex Flynn where we would be playing a freshman? I, just, I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, apparently, or either he wants to, he wants to throw something different at at Michigan, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm calling BS. I'm calling BS. Well, I, you know, he didn't. I know they said it was up until this morning they still had not named a start quarterback, and then 
I think the the press conference today said you could see as many as three, and I don't think he ever named a start quarterback. So I call, I'm calling BS. I, I, I think well, it's going to be Mason's show, and uh, well, I think so too. But I, I mean, I just maybe it's, he's trying to play mind games. Exactly, with and that's what I think. Uh, it, are, are you wearing a Macho Man Randy Savage t-shirt? Uh, Heck yeah, dude. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Can, can, oh, yeah. Can, 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 can you do a Randy Savage impersonation? Oh, yeah. You want me to get my glasses on, too? I got my glasses yeah. on. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, you got a cowboy hat? I, I don't have my cowboy hat. Hold on. All right. We're going to snap into a Slim Jim here with Stevie. Yeah. Just, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe Man Randy Savage personified. Yeah. One of the best of all time, buddy. One of the best of oh, all time. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I get off on a tangent here about wrestling, um, but uh, lost a couple of legends um, last week with uh, yeah. Terry Funk. And, um, you know, and, and which was sad. I love Terry Funk. Terry Funk's one yeah, of my favorites. Terry but, Funk was, was different. I remember getting my first. My first introduction to Terry Funk was probably the Flair Funk angle from 89. But then you go back and look at him, the guy, you know, and, and there was a big difference between Funk and what happened with, unfortunately, with the other one. Funk lived a long, long life, and uh, yeah. the other one did not. It took away way too soon. My first introduction to Terry Funk was actually – in the WWF Saturday Night's Main Event. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true, too. I did see a little bit of him yeah. on there. But obviously, when he came back from Hollywood, from doing uh, Roadhouse and Over the Top, you know, the, the feud with Flair, you know, I was legitimately, when, when, when he turned heel and, you know, power drove Flair on the table, which you never saw back then, and then had the Brandon Iron and was teaming with Great Muda, and you, you had uh, you had uh, Gary Hart. The JTEX Corporation. Yeah, I, I was legitimately scared of Great Mood and Terry Funk. Yeah, I was about nine years old at that time, and I thought they were both complaining. Like, why are these so evil? You know, it was just – and that's it awesome. Believable that they're doing then, your job it was well. Believable back then. Yeah, and they were doing the job well. But, and then the other pass is Bray Wyatt. Obviously, Bray, uh, Wyndham Rotunda, the, 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 the son of Mike Rotunda, the, the nephew of Barry Wyndham, the grandson of Black Jack Mulligan. Um dies of a heart attack um you know heart related conditions uh, you know supposedly brought on by covid yeah um, so 36 very sad. years old yeah 36 extremely sad to lose bray um i was a huge fan of the original bray wyatt wyatt family yeah um the swamp people you know were, it was, was different it was different i he loved it man i loved it it, it it reminded me a lot of danny spivey's character waylon mercy which i thought <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I thought was killed way too soon. Um, that that character, but uh, I, I did not care for the Firefly Funhouse with the fiend stuff. Yeah. But I, I did love the original Wyatt family stuff. But um, anyway, we uh, we won't talk about wrestling. That's not why uh, people are watching. They're, they're they're watching for us to talk about college football. So uh, <laughs> as you as we were talking about East Carolina, Michigan, it's going to take a monumental. Is most basketball team to do the impossible? Could it happen yet? Could it happen? Is it likely to happen? No. Um, I mean, look, you, nobody thought App State would go down there and beat them either. Uh, yeah, they were year. coming off a national championship. Yeah. So this is this, like you said, this would be. You, they they always talk about the App State Michigan game. This would be a lot bigger than that for for ECU to pull out this. Uh, yeah, 
it wouldn't sound like it, but in terms of you, Michigan's number two in the country. We got a brand new quarterback. Uh, Probably better than they were last year. Michigan, yeah, no doubt. And yeah. so, no, it honestly, like I told Kevin Monroe last night, uh, twenty-eight to ten is a score I have in my head, and, and it, I'd be extremely happy if we yeah. lost twenty-eight to ten. I, I really do think we could keep the score in check, so to speak, with the new rules, the new clock. What do you think of the new clock rules, Stevie? What is the new clock rules now? You refresh did, you not, did you not watch Week Zero football, Stevie? Did you not watch Hawaii and Vanderbilt? And I, look, when when I got home from uh, work, the Notre Dame game was already out of doubt, and then I missed the Hawaii game. And I think uh, it was a bunch of good. There was a bunch of games: uh, Jacksonville State, UTEP. Yeah. But uh, the clock no longer stops on first down, except for the last two minutes of each half. So uh, the so basically the NFL now. Um, so games move by a lot faster. And what I think the negative to that's going to be is it's going to really make comebacks a lot harder. Uh, college oh, yeah. football is always a lot of fun. You see a lot more comebacks in college football than you do in the NFL. And I think the new clock rules are really going to damper that. But anyway, right now we're joined by Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up podcast. Going to talk a little Gamecock Tar Heels. And, you know, we normally try to avoid talking Tar Heels here on the podcast, Chris. <laughs> so we, we were definitely going to have somebody come on and talk about it from the South Carolina perspective. Mm-hmm. You got college game day in Charlotte, neutral site game, two two very, you know, high-profile quarterbacks. Um, what, what, what's the feeling in Columbia going into this one? You guys are two-and-a-half-win underdogs, I believe. That's right. Kyle, Stevie, first thing, appreciate you guys having me on. And best of luck this week. And I know ECU travels to the big house to take on Michigan in what I think is an intriguing game. I'm, I'm just curious to see how East Carolina fares against one of the best teams in college football, or at least we think right now one of the best teams in college football. So I'll be keeping my eye on, eye on that one earlier in the day. But, yes, yeah, South Carolina right now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I would say, guys, there's a lot of confidence amongst Gamecock Nation. You know, despite I think most folks think that Vegas has got it wrong – and we know that, you know, they don't build those those mansions out there in the desert off winner's money. But we've seen what Shane Beamer and company have done as underdogs during his tenure. You know, seven of his 15 wins have come as an underdog during his first two seasons. So I don't think South Carolina fans' confidence at all is wavered by what the Sharps in Vegas think. And, you know, I think after the way you ended last year beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, an impressive showing against Notre Dame in that bowl game loss – but eight wins in year two of Shane Beamer. Your main core pieces are back again in your quarterback, Juice Wells, your top weapon on the offensive side. And, of course, Nick eamon Warry, DQ Smith, your safeties in the back end. While there are question marks, I would say the confidence and excitement and optimism is at an all-time high in Columbia entering this ballgame. When you, when you look at this, this matchup and you, you know, and you look at the two quarterbacks, Obviously, people people have Drake May as a Heisman Trophy candidate for UNC. Uh, Spencer Rattler's been very successful at South Carolina. Do do do, do you feel like that that he? How do I want to say this? Because of the press Drake May has been getting, do, do you think Spencer's gonna gonna maybe go out there and try to show out? I mean, obviously, you just want to go execute the game plan, but I, it seems like Drake May is being held as the greatest quarterback, you know, since Joe Montana. You know, guys, I think anytime you're a player and you come into a game week and the opposite player on the opposite side, I should say, that you're facing, you know, the guy at your position, that anytime he's getting all of the hype and all the praise and the accolades, you know, I actually heard Marcus Lattimore 
talk about this a couple of years ago on another podcast. He mentioned, you know, in games when he was a freshman at South Carolina. And one of the things that really motivated him, right, now that you need motivation, the SEC to play your best, but he did find motivation from they'd come into game weeks and they were talking about this team's running back and how great this guy was and, you know, giving him all the praise and accolades. And that fueled him in his mind to play his best, to play even better, elevate his game and, and show why they should have been talking about him necessarily. I think certainly you have to think from the competitor standpoint, Spencer Rattler's got some of that entering this weekend. You know, Drake May is – and I think that's one of the big reasons, guys, why North Carolina is the favorite in this football yeah. game. You look, Drake May sort of the media darling. He's the Heisman favorite, top five future NFL draft pick, if you will. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, I will say some of the skepticism, some of the doubts are some of his own doing, right, with the inconsistencies, the inconsistent play. You know, last year – for 10 games, he was not very good. Let's call it for what it is. He caught fire end of season. But I think some folks are still wondering, okay, who are you really? But when it what, comes to Spencer. What year, what year is Spencer? He is going to be a redshirt junior, I believe. Yeah, I think okay, redshirt junior because 20 was a freshman, 21, yeah, junior, yes. Redshirt junior. So I was expecting guys Spencer Rattler to leave after last year. You know, I thought he was going to be a one-and-done, uh, especially if South Carolina won eight games. I would have figured he would have had a successful season. But – you know, as last year taught us, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen and how it plays out. And so Gamecock fans are glad he returned. But you look at this game, guys, I think certainly there's a motivation factor to go out and prove that the last couple of games of last season wasn't a fluke and and that's who he really is or he's closer to that version of his game than what we saw in the first 10 games. And I think they're excited to get going. Again, I think Spencer Rattler, not that he necessarily needs that extra oomph of motivation or that extra push, if you will, but I think certainly that's something – that could fuel him. And while I think there are other factors in this ball game, obviously, guys, you can't get around the fascinating matchup that is Spencer Rattler against Drake May. And I think one yeah. of the best quarterback battles we're going to see all season long. You know, and you, you, you look at UNC last year, their defense was god awful. It's been god awful for the last couple of years. Yeah. Chiswick's been tasked with, with trying to get that straight. Uh, year, I believe it's year two now for Chiswick back as DC at uh, Carolina. Uh, what what do you see for them from their defense in terms of returning players, players maybe they brought in from the portal? Uh, do, do you think Carolina's defense is going to be better than – when I say Carolina, I mean North Carolina. Do you think their defense is going to be better than it, than it was last year? Or, or you know, if it's not, Spencer Rattler's going to tear them up. Yeah. I mean, Kyle, I was about to say, do you think it could be any worse? I, I mean, when you look at the numbers <laughs> well, and I – and I talked to, you know, I, I talked to Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but I, I talked with him a few weeks back. We did kind of a, a, a opponent preview right. series talking about all the opponents on South Carolina schedule. And, you know, he, he was very candid and blunt about the defensive struggles. And, you know, how he did mention the first couple of games sort of skewed some of the numbers maybe because they gave up, what, 60 points to Appalachian State. Yeah. The numbers yeah. were just – I mean, they were would they give up forty two points in one quarter or something crazy yeah, like that. They did play better as the year goes on. Yeah, they they so they got better as the year went on. But still, you look at those numbers. I mean, they, they didn't do anything particularly well, right? They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't pressure the quarterback. They couldn't force turnovers. But so you look at them this year. You know, they're led by Miles Murphy up front. I think he's a nice piece on the defensive line. They've been preaching physicality, right? That, that's all you hear at a Tar Heel Nation, Tar Heel camp is physicality, physicality, both offensively and defensively, right? They they feel like they have not been physical enough. And you look at both lines of scrimmage. I mean, last year, they couldn't protect Drake May all that well, although they made it work at times. And defensively, guys, like we just mentioned, they couldn't stop him. A, a, a nosebleed. Uh, I like Cedric Gray at the linebacker position. I think they've got some capable players. Power Eccles there as well. I think he's a solid player. 
Um, and then defensively in the secondary, you know, what's interesting is when I talked to AJ of Tar Heel Illustrated, he mentioned that, you know, a lot of guys left in the portal, right? If you look, right. they had like four or five guys leave. And the way he made it sound was this, guys, in this NIL world, right, it's it's we've gone away from, you know, you're a student athlete at our favorite school and, and to – this is like a professional sport. We're managing a roster, right? And so you don't push kids out of your program, but with NIL and kids getting getting paid, I don't think it's as frowned upon to sort of kind of urge a guy out of the way to open up a roster spot to go out and get somebody better in the board. I mean, right, that's that's just the reality of college football and kind of yeah, where no we doubt. are. Every school does it, right? I mean, whether you yeah. do it intentionally or unintentionally, we all do it. So he made it sound as if maybe there were some guys hit the portal. They kind of – encouraged to get out right. because they had some other dudes lined up waiting in the wings. Elijah Huzzy's a guy they picked up out of the portal. They're starting cornerback, uh, DB1 for them, I think. He, he's going to be a fantastic player, everything we've heard. Um, big question for them is at the star position. Coming into this game, uh, Antavius Lane's a guy they picked up from Georgia State. They're not sure the status of him. And I believe it's DeAndre Boykins, I believe is his name. He hasn't practiced for a couple of weeks. That's one of their best defensive players. So, you know, all in all, I'll say this, guys, I'm expecting South Carolina to be able to move the football. If they can't move the football, I think it'll be a concern, no doubt. And I think they're going to probably have to score 30 points at minimum to win this football game. But again, you asked me as UNC, are they going to be better defensively? Again, I come back to, I don't think they can be worse. <laughs> but at some point, you kind of are what you are. And I think it's just a talent issue for them. Although you look at their recruiting rankings, it tells you they should be better than they are. So this yeah, will be a really I, interesting year for Chiswick. It, it, it's, it's, I, I think two problems there with the recruiting rankings in UNC, and it's been a problem for a long time, and, and, and Mac Brown also. Uh, Mac Brown's a great X's and O's coach. He, he's not a player developer. And I, honestly, I, you know, I, I think that was his problem. That was his, his, his downfall at Texas. And um, I think, you know, it's what's hurting him in North Carolina. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, they get four-star players, five-star players. But, you know, do they? I don't think his programs do a very good job, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. developing players and taking them from being a good high school player to a Division One football player. So I think the, the era of the transfer portal will probably, with Gene Chizik there as D.C., will probably benefit Carolina greatly. Yeah, I think so as well. And again, you continue to look like you mentioned Gene Chizik and what they're going to do defensively. And I, I think for South Carolina, what's so interesting is they have question marks of their own on the offensive line, line of scrimmage, right, guys? You replay, you, you returned 50 less starts than you had a season ago from an offensive line that gave up wow. 31 sacks and finished outside of the top 100 in rushing offense. And oh, by the way, you don't have a proven RB1, right? We all feel optimistic and high on what the carry-on joiner can do. But he's never played running back, and he's RB1 for you going in this game. Juju McDowell at RB2, he's a nice scat back, but he's never been more than that. And then you have the rest of your other two guys, Mario Anderson, a D2 transfer, and Dontavious Braswell is a true freshman. So there are major question marks in the running game. You've got Spencer Rattler, who is an inconsistent quarterback. His ceiling is here, but his floor is also extremely low. That's the issue with him. And then Juice Wells, guys, he's going to play, but I'm not sure he's 100% because he's been dealing with a foot injury this offseason. So that'll be really interesting to see early on as well. And outside of Juice Wells, they don't have a proven weapon that has done it at South Carolina. They added Trey Knox in the portal, Joshua Simon. Both guys are tight ends. Xavier Leggett returns, and he had a solid end to last season, but 
he's never finished with more than, what, 400 yards or so receiving in a season. And then the rest of those guys are completely unproven. So, you know, UNC problems defensively, no doubt. And, you know, some things they're going to have to figure out as the game goes on. But South Carolina and a brand-new OC as well. they got yeah. some issues of their own. So, it's a fascinating matchup, no doubt. And that's um, what I was going to ask you about. How is how is Spencer adapting to a new offensive coordinator? Is, it, it's, is he adapting to the schemes better? Well, CB, I mean, it, it's best shape of our life season, right? So, I mean right. – yeah. They're not going to come out and say that, oh, yeah, that the new good. offense is anything but high-flying and great and everything. I, I will say this, though, in all seriousness. I, I The signs are encouraging, for sure. Um, when you hear Spencer Rattler say things to the media like, you know, there, there's there's been no transition period for him. He feels like this offense is more explosive. They've they've had far more explosives in fall camp than they did last year. And you heard Dabble Loggins in his introductory press conference and everything he said is like, he checked off every box that South Carolina fans wanted to hear after the Marcus Satterfield era, right, guys, of, you know, we're going to simplify things. We're going to get the football to our playmakers. We're, we're going to play fast. We're going to be aggressive. So we checked off all those boxes. But, guys, here's the bottom line. We're not going to know until Saturday. We're, we're not going to know until this season gets going. And we see it on the field for ourselves because guess what? Marcus Satterfield won the presser in the offseason, too. You know what I mean? They There was a lot of hype and optimism and hope around the offense last offseason, too. So, guys, I, I take it all with a grain of salt. You know, I, good and bad, by the way. You know, Shane Beamer and his Tuesday presser came out and said, we had a terrible practice. If we play like that the way we practice today, we're going to get our butts kicked on Saturday. Again, take it with a grain of salt, man. It's, it's coach speak. You have no idea what he's trying to do, fire up his guys, downplay his team, whatever it might be. I believe, though, there is optimism and hope that Shane Beamer has learned from his experiences with Marcus Satterfield in his first two seasons. Brandon Dabble Loggins, this is his guy now. And they have simplified things. The report behind the reports behind the scenes have been good. And the reports, by the way, Stevie, have been that Spencer Rattler has looked incredible in fall camp. He's on the money. He's he's looked as good as he's ever looked during his time at South Carolina. Now we'll see if that translates onto the field. Chris, how's the defense looking for the game call this year? I think it's a question mark. I, I think it's going to be about what it was last year, Kyle. I mean, like many years, the biggest question is stopping the run. Um, I, I think you look at that defensive front, you know, you lose Zach Pickens in the middle, which I think was a really underrated loss and one that not many people talk about because they're so distracted about the fact the Gamecocks lost Jordan Birch and Gilbert Edna out of the portal. You do go to the portal and get Jatias Gear from Syracuse. Unfortunately, He's most likely going to be out with an ankle injury in this game, will not play. You get Jordan Strawn, though, back from injury. The other edge, somewhat of a mystery going in this game. You just picked up Drew Tuizama from the transfer portal at UAB. How quickly can he get acclimated? Shane Beamer said he's going to play. Uh, you've got Desmond Umiazulu, a true freshman there. You've got Tyreek Johnson, Terrell Dawkins, who's an NC State transfer. Yeah. Hadn't done much in his career because he's been injured, but you feel like that's a guy that has potential. Uh, Tonka Hemingway, Boogie Huntley in the middle. It's going to start with those guys, right, and slowing down the run because similar to the offense. And, I, and, guys, on a side note, in my opinion, these two teams are eerily similar. Like, there are so many parallels, and I think it's going to make for a – an, an incredible game Saturday night because there's so many comparisons, so many things you can look at and say these teams are similar. Line of scrimmage, a question mark for both. Inconsistent quarterbacks, brand-new offensive coordinators, battle mm -hmm. of the Carolinas. They both need this game to set the tone for their season. Anyways, you, you look at that defensive side, you finish outside of the top 100 rushing defense. So you had problems running the ball, you had problems stopping the run. I'm optimistic they're going to improve at linebacker this season with the addition of a few new pieces. 
And in the secondary, you know, they replaced their starting corners, but Torrey and Gray, guys, at this point, he's earned the benefit of the doubt for what he's done with the pieces he inherited in his first season in Columbia. And you're also led, by the way, in the back end of your defense by a pair of freshman All-Americans in Nick Emanwari and DQ Smith at the safety. So, guys, all in all, I'll say this. It's a defense. It'll be determined by do they improve stopping the run. If they do that, they're going to improve as a defense. They weren't horrific a season ago, but the only reason they weren't is they were opportunistic. They've got to continue to be opportunistic. They've got to improve against the run, guys. It has been five seasons consecutive that South Carolina has finished 11th or worse in the SEC against the run. It's just – it's a miracle they've won as many games they have under Shane Beamer in his first two years with how bad they've been against the run. So – you know, I view the defense, Kyle, again, to get back to answering your question. I think South Carolina is going to be very similar, to be honest, to what they were last year. I don't think they're going to take those major jumps in stopping the run until they get some of these guys on campus they're recruiting. Year three for Shane Beamer. You mentioned the success he's had there. Started the 2021 season, unfortunately, with a field goal win over East Carolina. Um, you know, I, I love Shane. I uh, Shane was, when he was at Oklahoma, and we were hiring uh, when we fired Scotty Montgomery, and um, Mike Houston was choice number one up at JMU. Uh, on, my, on my list, my second choice was Shane Beamer uh, when he was special teams coordinator out at uh, out at Oklahoma. So when you guys made that hire, um, I know some people questioned it in the national media. I love the hire. Uh, I think Shane, he knows football. He's a he's such a likable guy, which I think in this day and age of recruiting, with the way these kids are. And in transfer portal, et cetera, I think having a, having a relatable coach that not only the fans like but players like, um, but can still coach ball in it a pushover. Um, I, I think Shane kind of got it all there. I think he's a really good fit for South Carolina. I think he'd be a good fit anywhere, just about. Well, I tell you, he's he's especially a good fit at South Carolina because he sort of cut his teeth here, right? He's seen this program under Steve Spurrier at its very best, and I'm talking going to the SEC championship game, and so he knows that it can be done, and so he can sell that on the recruiting trail. By the way, guys, side note, not to rub salt in the wound, but I think that win against East Carolina, the second game of the Shane Beamer era, that might be the most underrated win of his tenure to this point because if they lose that game, I think there's a chance year one goes sideways, and they are a four-win team. And I, I mean, are they able to rebound from that and have a good a year they had last year? Are they able to get Spencer Rattler in the portal? Like, I think a lot of things – don't happen if they don't beat East Carolina. So not to rub salt in the wound, like I mentioned, but I, I don't think Gamecock fans talk about how big that one was enough. But now, nah, guys, I mean, listen, the approval rating for Shane Beamer is through the roof. When you look at what they've done in his first two seasons, I mean, you beat Texas A&M. You had never done that in school history. Yet last season, you beat Kentucky and Lexington first time since 2012. You beat Kentucky – or, excuse me, Clemson for the first time since 2013. Uh, you know, you went – yeah, you beat Tennessee, obviously. Yeah. You've had back-to-back wins over top 10 teams. So, uh, And then you look at the recruiting as well, man. I mean, the momentum on the recruiting trail when you're picking up guys like five-star Nicholas Harbor, five-star Dylan Stewart, and you look at some of the guys they're signing in the offensive line, defensive line, they're dominating the DMV. They're doing very, very well in-state, right? They're recruiting sort of all over the place. So you factor in the recruiting momentum. You factor in they've won enough. They've had enough significant winning to really fire up this fan base as well. Um I mean, listen, man, in the preseason, I know every fan base has these fans, but, I mean, the expectations, the hopes, the dreams are – there's some folks out there thinking Gamecocks can go 9-3, and 10-2 and two this season, which Shane Beamer, every time he's doubted, he seems to make things happen. I think that would be – I think that's a little bit aggressive, but it just speaks to the energy and the excitement that he's brought. And, guys, again, I, I think he's a perfect fit 
for South Carolina because he sees South Carolina for what it can be and not what it's always been. Because what it's always been, guys, we know, a 500 mediocre program. I think Shane Beamer, though, understands and sees he accepts the challenge at South Carolina and he sees what it can be and really, truly believes that it can be one of those teams in the upper echelon of the SEC and with the playoff expanding to 12 teams. And, you know, I don't see why South Carolina can't be a consistent 9-10 to 10 win per year program and compete for one of those spots. So I think that's what they're striving for. And certainly this is a huge year and a building block for his program, no doubt. So Saturday, uh, Saturday night, is, is that ABC or ESPN for the game? ABC, 7.30 ABC, yep. 7.30 ABC, got game day in Charlotte. Uh, 50-50 crowd, Who, who's going to have more fans there, Gamecocks or Tar I think South Carolina is, and I, I, that's not me running with bias or anything. I, I just, you know, I lived in Charlotte for four years, guys, before I, I you know, pursued this business right. full-time and, and moved to Columbia, and now, of course, I'm in the upstate in South Carolina, but I lived in Charlotte for a while, and I can tell you the Gamecock contingency there is, I mean, it's literally the number one hub for Gamecock alumni to go to. So they will paint the town garnet and black. I, I really believe it'll probably be a 60-40 crowd. I'm just hoping to see a sellout because we've seen some games with South Carolina, North Carolina. I was actually at the game in 2019, and I mean, I would say the stadium was probably 60% full. It was kind of ugly, but... I think it will be a really good crowd. I'd expect it to be packed out. This is a huge game, man. So much on the line for both these programs. It's such a tone setter for both programs. And I think after the way you ended last season, I think Gamecock Nation will make a point, and I think they'll pack out Bank of America Stadium and, and make their presence felt. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and you know, I know Carolina's – I keep saying Carolina's going to be confusing <laughs> to, uh, to to our Gamecock friends. But uh, I, I, I think, you know, with North Carolina being the – Two and a half points. I like South Carolina in this one. I I, I know Drake May is uh, Jesus Christ in a pair of cleats, but he, he uh, <laughs> you know, I I just just watching these two teams last year, and that's all I have to base it on because I hadn't seen you guys play this year. I hadn't seen North Carolina play this year. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Gamecocks, and I I think you guys win it by touchdown. <laughs> I'm going to hold back on my prediction, guys, until we actually <laughs> drop those every – well, we drop them every Friday. We drop them every Friday. So, I, for anybody tuned in, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. But I will say this. I, I really do believe this is a 50-50 type of game. I, I think it's a coin flip. I know there's a lot of folks in Gamecock Nation. And, you know, maybe this is just – I think as we get closer to kickoff, I think the intensity and the emotion and the energy, it sort of boils over and the expectations and the dreams kind of run wild. And Because I've seen some people picking – 28-point victories, 35-point wins. Oh, I mean, you man, know, no, no. You know, picking, picking, yeah, picking South Carolina to score like 60 points, and I'm like, guys, let, let's try to be somewhat realistic. I will say, guys, I think the under in this game is one of the best plays of the weekend on the board. I, I just – I think what, it's going to be – What is the over-under in this game? It's 64-and-a-half, 64-and-a-half. And, and here's why, guys. I, I really believe – you look at these two teams, right? I understand high-flying quarterbacks. The defenses are questionable – but you got two inconsistent quarterbacks at times. Drake May was not very good at the end of last season, right? You got two quarterbacks that can be inconsistent. You got two very shoddy offensive lines and running games. Neither team yeah. really knows who their starting running back is. I mean, to carry on Joyner at South Carolina, but there isn't a true established RB1 on both sides. Offensive line has major question marks in run blocking and protecting the quarterback. Tez Walker is most likely not going to play for North Carolina, and Juice Wells for South Carolina – He's going to play, but how healthy is he really, right? So 
I think there's enough there. And also, guys, primetime, game one, butterflies, adrenaline. Also factoring, I heard you guys talking about the running the clock, clock the yep. clock rules as well. Yeah. But I think all that being said, I, I think the game, it's, it's not going to be a defensive slugfest or anything. No. But I think it's a game you could see get off to somewhat of a slower start as these two teams kind of feel each other out and, you know, kind of settle into the game, if you will. I could see it being like 14 to 10 at halftime and these teams make adjustments. And then we start to kind of see the fireworks in that second half. But, I, you know, I'm going to save the prediction, guys, for Friday. Normally I wouldn't, but I, I really want to save it for the audience, save it for the show. But um, okay. I feel confident as a Gamecock fan going in this ball game. but I really do believe it's a 50-50 game. And, guys, neither result, whether North Carolina winning, South Carolina winning, neither result would really surprise me at this point. I'm going Gamecock 35-28. Stevie, do, do you care to give a prediction in, uh, in that game? You know, Carolina, you, you you look at, well, maybe not in the last year, but a year before, coming into a big game with Virginia Tech, the the opening week, and Carolina laid an egg with, you know, Sam Howell was coming into, was supposed to be the, uh, like you said, Jesus in cleats that year too. He was supposed to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't, I don't, I don't know about Drake May. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm gonna go Gamecocks. I'm gonna say it's gonna be a little bit closer than that, Kyle. I'll say like a, a 37-35 win. Okay. It, it's go. so, it's so interesting to me though, guys. That like the line has been UNC as the favorite the entire offseason. You know, it, it just, yeah. it makes you sit back and you think like, what does Vegas know? that we don't is it a lack of respect thing for South Carolina is it really just this favoritism to Drake May over Spencer Rattler I think this arguably could be the game of the weekend guys I I just really think when you look at the storylines the way this one will play out how close I expect this one to be I mean I think this one could come down to like a late touchdown drive a field goal hey Beamer ball special teams playing their part so I think it's going to be a fantastic game Saturday night no I agree with you I'm looking forward to watching it Chris tell everybody how they can Follow you on social media, find your work, your podcast, et cetera. Well, Kyle, Stevie, first thing, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk ball with you. Yeah, we're at the Spurs Up Show on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you get your social media, wherever you get your media, we are there. We also air a daily live show called The Daily Crow, Monday through Friday, exclusively on YouTube, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. We take questions, comments, and calls on that as well. So we encourage all your listeners to tune in and call in. Let's talk some ball, talk some smack, whatever it might be. And, of course, we also drop our podcast daily under the name The Spurs Up Show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, That drops every single day at 5 p.m. Eastern. And, guys, starting this season, by the way, after every single South Carolina football game, the TSUS post-game call-in show will be happening within 10 minutes of the game concluding, which will go live right where I'm sitting, and we'll just open it wide up to calls, comments, questions, but mainly calls and reactions to the game that just took place, and I think that's going to be absolutely electric, so I highly encourage everyone to tune into that. But, guys, again, appreciate you t- uh, having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk ball with you and looking forward to a great college football season. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you coming on, and good luck to the Gamecocks. Appreciate good it. Hey, good luck, good luck to luck, ECU buddy. this season as well. Thank you. All right, that was uh, Chris uh, Phillips from the uh, Spurs Up podcast. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I that would be a good one. You know, I, I hate to give – the Tar Heels any more press than um, they get, <laughs> particularly in this market. But um, 
I, you know, that is the game of the week. And that's something we're oh, going to yeah. do if, for, for all our listeners and viewers out there. Uh, every week, Stevie and I plan to preview whatever <laughs> the biggest regional matchup um, is for the week. And next week, there's several to choose from. You got UNC App State. You got Notre Dame, NC State. You got um, JMU, UVA, I believe. I think we're going to probably go with NC State Notre Dame next week. Yeah, that would probably be the best one to go yes, with. Yes, that's that's the plan as of right now. But uh, Stevie, we, uh, we 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 another thing we're going to do as we've done so far on the show is we do top fives each and every week, and we played the Michigan Wolverines this weekend. Thought it would be appropriate. Yeah, that would definitely to pull an upset off of it would automatically it would go to number trump, one. It would automatically trump all all five of mine altogether. If yeah, happen. so this is our top five favorite upsets. That he's favorite. Going See how favorite. we underline favorite. Yes, this is our favorites, our personal favorites. So it, it, we're not saying these are the, the the best, you know. So we if we leave some off, it, don't get offended. These are our personal favorites. So I'm gonna start it off, and I got a tie at number five. Uh, it is 1995 against Syracuse. Uh, the Pirates were down in that game. It's hard to remember the exact score, something like 28-7, 21-7, something like that. It made a furious comeback there at the Carrier Dome uh, in Syracuse, New York, there in 95 with Marcus Crandall and the guys. So uh, 95, Syracuse, and in the uh, also at the number five position for me, Ruffin McNeil's last year. You know, I wanted to put this higher, and maybe I have since it is, should have since it's my favorite list and it's not necessarily the biggest upset, but uh, 2015 against Virginia Tech, kind of what I call Ruffin McNeil's last stand. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it, it was pouring rain. I mean, it was a monsoon to that game, Stevie. I don't know if you were there or not. but I was not there. I was we, watching there. We got soaked, but it was an absolute blast. James Summers makes his debut out of nowhere. And, you know, what an athlete he was. I, it's a shame he wasn't able to be used how he should have been used. But the uh, – so that's my number five or my two number fives. What's your number five? My number five is just a slight upset, but it was a big one. Uh, 2009 Conference USA Championship game against uh, Houston. Case Keenum coming in coming into uh, uh, Dowdy Ficklin with uh, – Houston with that that high powered offense and and ECU pretty much shuts them down and uh, Houston gets a a touchdown at the end just to make it look close but ECU gets the win thirty eight thirty two and that's a slight upset just because Houston was ranked I actually Stevie um Houston was driving to win that game yeah and, uh, Van Eskridge picked them off in the end zone yeah so we we get the win. But that's a slight upset. But they were ranked. But uh, to get a Conference USA championship game at home, and uh, yeah, that, that that was number five on my list. That was another monsoon game, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It Actually, was, it was. It was supposed to be heavier rain than that. It was. It was cold that day. It was about it was cold. It was. Yeah. Very were you cold. Were you there for that one? No, but I, I remember watching it home again because uh, I unfortunately I have to work on Saturdays a lot. Right. I once once in a while I'll get a Saturday off. But yeah, I do remember that day. Temperature was fifty degrees was the high at uh Dowdy Ficklin that day. Yeah, Cloudy it was in the it was in the forties and could kick off and they were 
forecasting about three to four inches of rain for that game. And I remember I went to Big Blue Store in Kinston, North Carolina, and bought my wife and I rain suits. And then the day of the game, it ended up just being a light rain. So I took the you rain remember, suit back. And wore you pondering. remember the interception at the end, though? Yes, yeah, Van Eskridge, Van Eskridge uh, picked off Houston in the end zone. Yeah, you did tip. Yeah, tipped it and then picked it off to uh, seal the win. Houston yeah. was uh, driving to uh, to win the ball game. Um, so my number four upset. I got another tie. Um, this is my last <laughs> tie. I promise this is my last tie. And uh, th- this is back to back weeks, two thousand eight, uh, to start oh, yeah. the season. All right, actually, you know, I put two thousand eight, but it was actually two thousand. Yeah, it was 08. I'm right. I was sitting there questioning myself, was it 09? But no, it was 08. Back-to-back weeks, we start the season off with uh, with the Virginia Tech Hokies in Charlotte. The the, the block pump by T.J. Lee. T.J. Lee. And the, uh, the the Pirates upset the Hokies in, uh, in, in Charlotte. Then the following week, West Virginia comes into town. I believe ranked number eight in the country. And um, – we just we just destroyed them. the Mountaineers that day in Greenville. What was that quarterback? That was a Pat Pat White. Pat White. Pat White. Yeah, yeah. and uh, just just destroy the Mountaineers that day in Greenville. Uh, the fans stormed the field. Had the ugly incident, unfortunately, with the off-duty police officers, security yeah. guards. But uh, great, uh, two great memories back-to-back weeks there. So I got uh, my number four, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, no eight. Well, uh, what's your number four? Since you made that a tie, I'm going to make it a tie too because I had. ECU Virginia Tech in 2008, and, I'm, and I was going to go, but I didn't want it. everybody to say you pulled Stevie, and there, there's a tie up there. But I'll go ahead and put those two back-to-back weeks as my number four as well. I mean, just just I remember watching that that Virginia Tech game, and and I mean, and you go back and you can go back and watch it on YouTube as well. But seeing the look on the sidelines before that punt got blocked, and just seeing how the ball just went perfectly right to T.J. Lee's hand after he blocked it and takes off for a touchdown. And then the stunned look on the on the sidelines from the uh, Virginia Tech players and coaches, uh, it, it was priceless. And their fans. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, my number three upset is going to be um, 1996. Oh, the, uh, the Pirates go uh, down to the Orange Bowl <laughs> one week after losing to Southern Miss on a Thursday night. Uh, in blowout fashion, everybody was down in the mouth. Miami's going to blow us out. And they, there was a blowout in, um, in uh, Coral Gables that night, but it wasn't the Pirates getting blown out. It, it's the I, re, I believe the final score of that game was 31-6, to six, if I remember 31 right. 31-6, to six, number 12 yeah. ranked uh, Miami at home. Yeah, and then that, so that's my, uh, that's my number. Uh, and you're copying my list, I guess, because my number three was 90-96 ACU Miami. I mean, you go – anytime you can go – Anytime you can beat Miami is is something. But when you go in the Orange Bowl and beat twelfth ranked Miami and your your unranked team, and not just beat them, but blow them out, I would love to seen the looks on some of the fans' faces in the Orange Bowl that day. Oh man, they weren't lo- at that point in time. They weren't used to losing. They were not used oh, no, to losing in no. the Orange Bowl. So. In fact, if I remember right, I think maybe Penn State beat them the week before. I believe it was the first time they had lost back-to-back games in the Orange Bowl since the 80s, if I remember correct. Um, my number two upset, 2010, North Carolina State. Uh, they come into Greenville uh, as big favorites, and uh, their quarterback, whose name is escaping me right now. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't – played for the Seahawks. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Will, played for Wisconsin. Willis, Willis uh, 
Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson. I really couldn't remember his name. I don't know if you were. Oh, really? I was thought you were being sarcastic. No, no. I was, no. I really could not remember. <laughs> Stevie, what you'll find out that Bubba and Dave and Matt know, uh, my Achilles heel is remembering names. I, I, will, I really thought you were being sarcastic. I will literally forget a guest's name in the middle of the interview and have to and have to look at the at the graphic. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. I'm horrible with remembering names. It's. It is a it is a bad 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 trade of mine, but yeah, uh, Russell Wilson comes in there and throws that probably is the worst day as starting quarterback for NC State. He threw three or four picks. Um, Pirates winning in overtime with the big interception by Damon Magazoo. One of the best celebrations I can remember having after a game. I mean that place was packed, absolutely electric in there. The crowd was fantastic. Just. Beautiful weather that day it was my birthday, actually. Um, just it was about as perfect of a day as you could ask for. So, uh, that's my number two 2010 NC State. Okay, my number two, and I, you know, I'm gonna have to go back to a, to the Peach Bowl year 1991. Uh, first, what was it, the first win over a ranked team? Uh, yeah, for you. At number, at number 15, Syracuse at the Carrier Dome. Come from behind, win. Uh, the Pirates get the win 23 to 20. Uh, and to just hear the, the radio call that day from, from the late, great Jeff Charles, to hear it on the radio, just – you just and, – and that was when the whole We Believe started. You know, They finally it, done it. They've beaten a the ranked team. Exactly. And they come back. You know, I've I've interviewed several pirates on that team that year, and all of them talk about the plane trip back to Kinston and seeing all those people out there at the at the Kinston Airport, and, and all of them saying "We believe, we believe." And that's when the whole "We believe" movement started, and 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 that ECU football team really started to believe everybody was behind them and got that got that confidence and uh, carried it on through the rest of the year. Yeah, no doubt, that was a huge win. I. Uh... Marvin yeah, Graves, I, you remember Marvin Graves for the for Syracuse was the quarterback then. Yeah, yeah. Interesting enough, we actually beat. We were just talking South Carolina football. We beat South Carolina the previous games. We had beaten South Carolina and uh, Syracuse in back to back weeks. Uh, missed those days. Uh, my number yeah. one, up, my number one upset, and uh, you know, maybe years also. Uh, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine Hurricane Floyd. Um. East Carolina, Miami. Game gets moved to Raleigh, Carter Finley Stadium. Pirates down big at the half. You know, it's over, baby. The hurricane's gonna walk away with the victory. And, and you just and you kind of saw it towards the end of the first half. The Pirates started playing a little better. You know, and, and then that third quarter, the Pirates, you know, start chipping away. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, it's a one score game. And uh, you know, Keith Stokes with that touchdown there late in the fourth quarter, and then the defensive stand at the end. And, uh, you know, the Pirates come away with the uh, huge win over Miami. The goalposts come down in Carter-Finley Stadium. <laughs> and uh, that's my number one in a game that I have watched probably more than any other East Carolina game over the years in a replay. I, I have that game. Uh, I, have a, I have a VHS copy and a DVD copy. And uh, I, that one, without a doubt, is my number one. And I, I didn't even have to think about it. Yeah, it's between that and the Peach Bowl game for me. But yeah, my number one. Obviously, I think any anybody that's watched ECU Pirate football over the years is going to pick this one 
I mean, to have all that, you know, all that going on when, when you can't even get home, uh, you've got to play on your right, one of your biggest rivals fields and you're playing a team with, I mean, you got Clinton Porter's makes his debut, uh, not his debut, but as a starter. Right. Uh, and then you had Reggie Wayne among other weapons that Miami had and you go down 23 to three and man, I, <laughs> to to see them come out, I remember watching it and seeing seeing they were down twenty three three. I said, "Well, they, they, you know, like my dad did several times with with the Washington Redskins." I was like, "This ball game is over." And uh, then you look you look up and like you said, they just kept chipping away, chipping away, and, and knew that uh, when that Keith Stokes catches that touchdown and the, and the defense makes that big stand. I mean. There was no way, and and for the people in Raleigh to think those goalposts weren't coming down, that that's just uh, that that's just unreasonable for them to think that that was definitely coming down. And, and one of the biggest wins in Pirate history. Yeah, no doubt. And the best part to me about the goalposts coming down was afterwards. NC State fans were furious, and we told. Oh them, yeah. Well, you remember what we told them? Our our our, our administration told them, and our fan base kind of knew if, if you beat us in Greenville. And uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, you can take the goalpost down to Dowdy Ficklin. Your, your fans can can storm the field. So they had their opportunity to get their revenge, but they just couldn't quite get it done. So the goalposts come down again this time in Dowdy Ficklin, but it's the Pirates that are taking them down. Not the, yeah. not the. That's probably my favorite part about that whole goalpost incident. Oh, we yeah. gave them, we gave them the opportunity. We said you can take ours down, and they couldn't get it done. Bubba, Bubba, Bubba is given his in no particular order. He's he names that ninety-one Syracuse and the ninety-five Syracuse game, yep. also the ninety-six and ninety-nine Miami game, the the 08 West Virginia game. He gives honorable mentions, which we'll do. You want to do your honorable mentions before we do Bubba's? Mind? Well, I, I didn't even do honorable mentions. I, I didn't even list them, uh, but I can think well, of a true. few. I, I can think of a few off the top of my head. Uh, Twenty fourteen North Carolina. Uh, they were ranked number twenty-three yeah. in the, uh, I believe, it was the AP poll coming into that game, and were favorites. So uh, that'd be one. Twenty fourteen North Carolina. Um, uh, another one would be, um, oh geez, I, I, I was did not prepare myself. Ninety-five. Ninety-nine West Virginia. Ninety-five West Virginia. Um, Lord, uh, I should be more. I, I should be better prepared for this. For these, uh, the for, TCU for, game from two thousand two. Two thousand two TCU. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. I give. I give you one. I give you one from last year. Um, he, um, UCF. Uh, UCF yeah. in Greenville last year was a huge upset for the Pirates, and uh, BYU was a slight favorite, I believe, when we beat them last year. It was yeah. very close spread, but um. Yeah, I did not prepare myself for the honorable mention upsets. So, Bubba, if you and Stevie have a list of those, or yeah, Stevie, if you and Bubba have a list of those, um, go ahead and give me your honorable mention. <laughs> I got you. Well, me and Bubba both agreed on two of them, Virginia Tech 2014, uh, Boise State yeah. in the Hawaii Bowl. Oh, God, how did I leave that one out? Yeah, yeah and then two th- Bubba's got 2010 NC State, as you had in your list, and then 2020 SMU. I'll tell you another yeah. one too that was, and, and I, I don't think I think we may have been ranked higher. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bubba. You may know, but the pit win at Dowdy Ficklin '91, we may have been ranked a little bit higher than them. But I don't know if they were favored or not to win. But 
Uh, that pit game came a couple weeks after the Syracuse game, I believe. It and that work. was really what what started with the Syracuse game. But that pit game really got us over as uh, as Syria. I think that put us in the top 20, top in the top 20 then as far as beating Pitt. Well, it was a huge moment, the, the two-point conversion by Jeff Blake. He, you know, and then uh, Pittsburgh drives down. To, uh, to try to get in position to win the game or to have a chance to win it. And they, you know, clock runs out on them and yeah. Pirates hold them to win it. And um, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of the moment where we had beaten South Carolina, we beaten Syracuse. So I think that pit game was the moment where Pirate fans realized that, you know, this was going to be, you know, a very special season. You know, I don't, I don't know what other bowl options there were. Uh, you know, if we'd have lost another game that year, there was very few bowls, you know, so if we, if we lose one more, we're probably in the independence bowl. Yeah. So, um, instead of, instead of the peach bowl. So, um, that pit game was, was huge at the time. I think that's when the peach bowl talk really got revved up. And you remember the quarterback for Pitt then? Uh, not off the top of my head. No. Alex Van Pelt. Okay. Yeah. No, the, the current offensive coordinator for the Browns now. Okay. But uh, is, is that, did you guys have any more honorable mention upsets? That that was that was all mine and Bubba's. I read all Bubba's. Let me see if Bubba's got any more up here. Yeah, we were twentieth and Pitt was twenty third, so not really an upset with a Pitt uh, with a Pitt game, but uh, huge yeah. win, huge win, in the huge left. huge win there. Yeah, and the, that, the whole, go ahead. I've heard uh, several of the Pirates that I interviewed from that team that year say they never heard uh, Dottie Ficklin as loud as it was. And it, the ground actually shook when uh, Blake scored that two-point conversion. Hey, I've heard that many, many times. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that place was absolutely electric that day with the uh, – uh, in terms of how loud it was when uh, Blake got in for the two-point conversion. Uh, so, well, Stevie, uh, unless we got anything else, um, I don't know if any plugs we need to get in, Bob. If there's any plugs we need to get in, put them on the screen now so I can botch them. Um, if not – I'm going to give you about five seconds to do that. There we go. Hey, a pirate's life for me. Hey, that's nice and big. I can read that. Pirate's, <laughs> life, pirate's life for me. That is Friday. Bubba, I'm not sure who you're going to have on. There we go. we got tiny print there. John and, McMillan, uh, John McMillan uh, will be on. And I believe, Bubba, if I remember right, that is a friend of your father's who is a pirate. I uh, don't know much about him. But uh, Pirate's Life for me, check that out Friday here on the uh, Sports Objective Podcasting Network. And uh, that's each and every Friday. Uh, Bubba pre- profiles a, a somebody you know from Pirate Nation, a fan, an alumni, and uh, it's, it's a good concept. And uh, that's each and every Friday here on the uh, Sports Objective Network. And uh, um, L and K Custom Homes, there, uh, Kevin KK Walker, there in the Triad, licensed general contractor. If if you need a house built or you need a remodel. Contact KK. Look, go, go go buy a house. Go buy yourself. Go buy two houses. Get him to build you two houses. Get him to maybe maybe you want one of the mountains and the beach. So uh, call 336-688-8461 if you are in the market for, uh, for for a house to be built. If you're looking to buy a home, or I'm assuming he probably also does uh, remodels. Kevin KK Walker at LNK Custom Homes. And uh, you know, one day Dave says he's going to win the Powerball and have uh, KK build him a big house. Dave is so nice; he will buy you one. He will. Okay. I, well, that's awesome. I, <laughs> Dave's going to buy me a house. All right. I appreciate that. So, well, uh, 
I don't. I, I've got to get. I've got to. I've, I've got to uh, get up on the list if Dave's buying houses for folks. I've got to get up on the list. No doubt. Uh, Steve, before we go, man, uh, who does uh, who does Northeast Academy play this weekend? We travel to Swan Quarter this week to take on Madame Mesquite High School. So uh, hopefully, the weather will cooperate with us. Uh, I, I I know they're calling for a lot of rain down there, uh, some wind, but. We'll see. We we got our fingers crossed. We'll be able to go down there Friday night. Anyway, how did things turn out last Friday? No week one, you guys. Not up. I lost Kyle for a second. Well, there I'm back. There you are. Now, now last week wasn't a good. We 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 dropped a a, a close one, twenty two to twenty to uh, Community Christian. Uh, and one of those games as a coach where you you get your players look like they're in slow motion all night, and you just. <laughs> It's it, honestly, it was one of those games where, like, I I would just wanted to take take the the pads and stuff off of one of them and go out there myself because I was like, I can do this better than y'all were doing it tonight, and I'm almost fifty years old. But uh, you, you know, it's one of those one of those games that makes you get these gray hairs up here, Kyle. And uh, but yeah, it it was a tough one. But you know, Community Christian had a good team, and uh, we get a rematch with them on our, in our place in a couple of weeks, so. Hopefully, hopefully it'll turn out on, on our end this time. Well, good luck this weekend as you travel to Swan Quarter. Hopefully the game gets played. Uh, I guess it's going to depend on how much water that field can hold, how easy it drains. Yeah. The rain will be out of here by Friday. Um, so let's hopefully uh, hopefully you guys get to play that game against Madame Mesquite High. And uh, hopefully Northeast Academy comes away with the Vic. Yeah. Let's hope so. so. Let's hope so. I don't, I, you know, my contract, you know, my incentive, incentives in my contract is suffering. You know, us volunteer coaches. <laughs> so, so as, as as a volunteer head coach at the at the uh, Northeast Academy, um, and that's that's very interesting. By the way, I know I know it's an I know yeah, it's it's, football, but still, uh, for the head coach to be a volunteer position, that's still uh, it's a bit surprising to hear that you don't get paid something. Well, you know, you don't, you're not really volunteer. They they have people in mind, and they you go before a committee. And you know, I did. It ain't like I just showed up one day and said, "Hey, I'll coach." And right. Well, I understand coach. that, but, but I, uh, you know, it's 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 something. And and I get. It. I, I mean, I joke with the kids like we. One of our rivals is Halifax, uh, and one year I told I told the guys after the game and I, after practice one night of that week against Halifax. Look, guys, if you, uh, of course, there's no contract. I said, if you win this game, that doubles my, the amount on my contract. My incentive clause kicks in, and my my pay doubles. And I, they were like, "What?" I said, zero times zero is still zero." So, but yeah, uh, Justin Butts is back again, talking about Wayne Christian. Uh, yeah, we miss playing you guys too. We miss playing uh, Wayne Christian. I was actually just talking about Wayne that game against Wayne Christian tonight at practice. So, uh, yeah, maybe one day we'll hook back up again. There you go. Yeah, I got you know, make it happen. Yeah, good to talk to your AD uh, there, uh, Stevie, and uh, see if you can get Wayne Christian back on the schedule. Stuff. Justin, do your part. Talk to people, <laughs> Wayne Christian, and, and make it happen. Get that rivalry, the, the storied rivalry between Wayne Christian and Northeast Academy. Yeah. But, anyway, we got uh, got Michigan Saturday. Um, college football tomorrow night. Week. College football tomorrow night with uh, Utah and Florida, NC State, UConn, as we mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, you can um, 
I'm I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm getting myself flustered here, Stevie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, you, well, you know, check out Oliver. Co- oh, playback. I knew I wanted to mention something else. Sunday. Uh, I don't know what time we're doing it, uh, but Sunday night we will have the playback. Um, I, I'm assuming we're going to have a Sunday night. Dave and Bubba are going to have to get back from Michigan. But if we don't have a Sunday night, we'll have a Monday night, and we will discuss the Michigan game. We will be taking your calls. Um, you know, give yourself 24 to 48 hours to kind of let things digest. When you call the fifth quarter call-in show immediately after the game, everything is so raw. So this gives you time to really kind of think about it. Power football playback. It's going to be at eight o'clock or Sunday so. night right now. As, as, uh, as we, uh, so Bubba says it's going to be at eight o'clock Sunday night. So we'll, we'll see. I know him and Dave. I like, I like make sure he added in the 8 p.m. or so. Or so. It's kind of so, like yeah, anywhere between p.m. Sunday night and 8 p.m. Monday night. But <laughs> anyway, I guess that's it, Stevie. I, I think I've rambled enough here. Um, have you got anything else? I think I'm done, bud. Just hope everybody, you know, whoever's in the path of this storm and get, getting some rain or whatever, I hope everybody stays safe out there. No, no doubt. Uh, yes, yeah, after Rose, I think in the majority of eastern North Carolina, that's going to be the biggest problem is flash flooding. Right. So uh, stay off the roads and you should be good. Um, so for Stevie Fly, I am Kyle Barber. You have been listening to just another sports podcast here on the Sports Objective Podcasting Network. Thank you for listening, watching, and go Pirates. See you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.